0: We are celebrating a wonderful time of year, a time that we should celebrate all through the year, that we do celebrate all through the year. When you're born again, God with you, God with us, present with us, in our midst, speaking to us, loving us, holding us in the palm of his hand. He is for you and not against you. You are the apple of his eye, He has great plans for you, greater plans than you could ever imagine. He appreciates you. He appreciates all that you are for him in this world. He appreciates every time you extend a loving hand instead of a hand that could hurt. He appreciates every time you honor him and represent him in a kind and loving way to somebody else. Don't think anything you ever do for him is too small. Your hand extended in love when you could make another choice is God speaking to another heart. And He appreciates it. He appreciates you. So, anyway, today we're going to continue talking about the birth of Christ. And we're going to continue discovering how his birth not only was prophetic of his life, but every example in his birth is a prophecy he wanted to speak to you personally, prophetic of your life in him. So I've actually given this one a title called, Christ's Birth, Your Prophetic Promise. Because every single detail about Christ's birth was woven together by the hand of God. And it is a story. It is a picture of the redemption of God for all mankind but not only that his birth and the story that we see there the details that we see there is his prophecy over you and your life so that's what we're going to be looking at today we're going to go to Matthew and I am going to read the entire story. So it's a very lengthy passage that I know will bless you. I'm sure you've read it during this season and you've, we did the one in Luke before. So Matthew 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law... He asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Verse six, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Some translations, frankincense. Most translations, frankincense. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and the mother and go to the land of Israel. So was fulfilled what was said Through the prophets He will be called A Nazarene Okay that's our scripture for today And we're going to go through it And we're going to look at several parts And show The prophecies that were fulfilled Of course And then how they have significance In your life So the magi Who were the magi They were not kings Regardless of that little song that everybody sings. They were not kings. Uh, Despite all the art showing them in the manger scene, they were not there um, at that time. And the Bible does not tell us how many there were. Okay? So just get rid of all that. The word magi actually comes from the Greek word magos, or magos, meaning one of a learned and priestly class, okay? In in the ancient Middle Eastern world, these magi were trusted advisors to the king, okay? They were learned men. They were proficient in mathematical calculations. They were proficient in astronomy, astrology, medicine, alchemy, dream interpretation, history, Okay, they were wise, they were learned, they were powerful, they were wealthy individuals. Ancient kings needed and relied upon the magi for advice, just like our presidents would rely on advisors now. They were powerful and wealthy, they could change the course of a king, they could change the whole course of history, they could change the course of nations, okay? That's who they were, and they came to worship this king. The Magi were from the east. The east, at the time of Christ's birth, meant Media, Persia, Assyria, Babylon, countries that would now encompass um, Iran, Iraq, they were not Jews. They were probably pagan from pagan religions. So your immediate antenna should go out, well, then why are they worshiping the king? Why are they worshiping this, this person, our king? So just think about that. And, and you'll realize how incredibly intricate God's plan really was. So they were not Jews, they were, they were probably of pagan religion, but because of their um, expertise in interpreting God's creation, okay, remember I said they were astronomers and that sort of thing, um, which, you know, may be one of the reasons that God spoke to them via a star. Remember how the shepherds, God spoke to them because of their giftings and their talents and, and their responsibilities. Remember he spoke to them in swaddling claws? God speaks to you in ways that you are going to understand. He's a personal God. Okay? So perhaps that is why he spoke to them using a star. And why why would he use the pagan, these people from pagan religions? Think about that. Think about what happened after they met the king, after they met the Christ child. They were going to go home, they were going to spread the gospel. You see, it's not just random that God wanted someone from 900 or 1,000 or 400 or 500 miles away to make this trek and then go back. You see, every little detail has a purpose. Every detail in your life has a purpose, okay? So they they would have had knowledge of the prophecies of the Christ even if they didn't believe or, or truly understand at that time, because they would have known that this Messiah was going to be born. Why, how would they know that? Well, think about it. I mean, God is just amazing, really, truly amazing. Remember Daniel? He served as chief magi to King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Now, now he was a faithful person, right? He knew the God above all gods, okay? So he became, out of God's death design, right, taken into captivity, and then made chief of all the magi. So he would have shared these prophecies, correct? Right? And so over time, over history, the magi would have paid attention because they were very interested in dream interpretation and all these other things, And so then they would have passed it down, wouldn't they have? Within their ranks. Okay? So you can see God's eternal plan way back before any of this ever even happened. His plan of redemption throughout the ages. Every little bit is about your redemption today. You see what I'm saying? Man, when, when the Lord started talking to me about the Christmas story and all these little details and it being all about you and your redemption, I mean, we all know Christ was born for us as the Savior of the world, but that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, I am talking about that, but I'm talking about we go back. Every, every little nuance was planned. Every little bit of your life is important to the Lord, and he plans it with a loving eye upon you. Wow. So the Gentiles actually were some of the first, right, to worship the Christ. That is even a plan of redemption. Think about that, because the Gentiles were grafted in, weren't they? Well, these people were Gentiles worshiping the Christ child. Wow. I mean, I think that's amazing. That, that's a picture of the ultimate plan. So, if this was prophetic of God's all-encompassing the nature of God's kingdom, in other words. You see what I'm saying? So, God has a beautiful, beautiful plan. An intricate plan laid out for your life that sometimes we're not even aware of and we need to learn to appreciate even when when we're going through struggles. He never lets you go. He never alters his plan. He never sees you failing. He always has the same hope about you that he ever had before you were ever even born. You see what I'm saying? So, from the east, these, these magi that came from the east, we don't really know how long the journey took, but we can surmise from the scripture that um, they arrived when Jesus was no longer a baby, that he was probably somewhere around two years old, probably, we aren't <coughs> told specifically But Herod had basically, he said, you know, he found out from them when they had first seen the star, and we know it took them time to travel, and he said, go and search for the child. He didn't say go search for the baby. Okay, it's a different word. He said go search for the child. In this scripture alone, Jesus is referred to as a child five times. As a boy also, but specifically the word child, Five times. So Herod then ordered the killing of all the boys according to what he had learned from the Magi because of when they told him the star had appeared to them. And so he said, all boys, two years and under. Now we can't be sure how broad his brush really was, can we? I mean, we don't know exactly. We don't know exactly what his margin of error was. But suffice it to say, it was probably pretty close to two, you know, or slightly under. So, the star they had seen in the east, it went ahead of them. It went ahead of them until it stopped over the house. Okay? The word is different than the manger or the cave. We, we discovered that last week, that it was really a cave. Okay? So, it settled over the house. On coming to the house, they saw the child. All right? And they went into the house, not a cave. So, this is a question, and I don't know why. I guess I was just always a really, really inquisitive kid, um, you know, and I was not raised in a a family that uh, really studied the scripture or anything. But every time I heard the Christmas story, I always, the question that always came to me. Was why didn't everybody else see this star? Why didn't everybody in the universe follow this star? You know what I'm saying? Did that ever occur to you? I mean, we all see stars, right? So why didn't everyone see the star and do what the Magi did? I always wondered that. I really did. Um, why didn't those who saw the star once once Herod knew? Why didn't they just follow him? Why didn't they just go with him to destroy the child? You know, it shows you God's plan and God's protective covenant. I mean, it's amazing. It really is amazing. Um, So perhaps the reason that other people didn't follow the star is they did not, because they were not educated in this particular area, you know how we talk about that God will speak to you according to your gifts or your knowledge, whatever, what he's revealed to you. You know, they weren't astronomers. They weren't astrologers. And because he speaks to us in special ways, just like the shepherds, right? It'll be a sign unto you because of what they did and because of what they knew, Um, according to our nature and according to our giftings. You know, maybe that's why. Just like I say, they spoke to the angels. So I mean, to the shepherds. So perhaps the star was something only they could understand, you know? (coughs) And there are all these theories about different, you know, Planets and things coming together That perhaps they would have known But knowing the prophecies from Daniel They would have Attended to The prophecies of old Passed down from generation to generation They had heard the prophecies About a Messiah Right? And then they probably pondered that in their heart Just like Mary pondered the things Of Christ's birth in her heart Right? And the things that were told her So, that, combined with their observance of the heavens, their knowledge, their study of the heavens, allowed them to understand that this was a special, significant star. Uh, They called it his star. the, The scripture doesn't say a star. The Magi called it his star. Okay? So... God we see we see through all this a very specific intricate plan that God is using to guide and God knows how to get people where they need to be think about this we didn't even talk about this last week God knows how to get you where you need to be at exactly the right moment the right time if you're listening if you listen but think about this, and he'll do whatever it takes to encourage you, to make it possible for you to fulfill the plan that he has for you. Think about this, he moved an entire nation because of a a tax and a census, right, to a whole other area just to get Joseph and Mary where they needed to be for the baby's birth. Did you ever think about that? He moved an entire nation because he wanted a baby born in a certain spot. Well, can he help you? Can he help you? Can he get you to be where you need to be? Yeah. Don't you think that's prophetic of your life? Don't you think that's prophetic of the heart of God? When we see these things, we understand the heart of God for us? To me, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's beyond magnificent. It's so comforting. Um, he cares so much about us. So, what this says to us is that as we diligently... Listen to the Holy Spirit and study the Word. Compare prophecy to the Word. We, too, enter into the knowledge that we need. He is constantly putting it out there in front of you. He is constantly putting it there for you to see and moving things that need to be moved and opening doors and closing doors. Remember we studied that in the Overcoming Church? Okay? So throughout this passage, God spoke to Joseph God spoke to the Magi in dreams and in prophecy. And he does the same for you today. He changes not. So in verse 12, it tells us that the Magi being warned in a dream, they did not go back to Herod. See that? They were warned in a dream. God will get the message to you. Just listen. Just just be sensitive. Be yielded to Holy Spirit. So being warned in a dream, not to go back to Herod. Remember, they they were experts in dream interpretation, weren't they? Right? So they returned to their country by a different route. Right? To save a baby. He does the same for you to save you sometimes when you don't even know that he's there doing it. Don't ever feel that you've been deserted. He is working in ways that sometimes you don't even know about. And this is a bit of a digression, but one time, uh, the example just came up in my brain. Um, (laughs) We were at um, our family... Was at a church that we used to go to before we were here, and um, many, many years ago, and service had ended, and we were we had gone down front for something, and so this family, a man and his wife and kids, went through, you know, the front exit doors, and we were standing there, and right as they went through the door, they had just gotten through the door, and the door had closed. And that hole, there was this big, huge metal header up there. And the whole thing came crashing down onto the floor. Well, guess what? They probably never even knew about God's protective covenant, God's protective work at that point in time. Had they been a second before, or, or later, you see what I'm saying? They would have been hit. You see, he's protecting us, and sometimes we don't even know it. We don't even know how he protects us. Please do not grumble against your Lord, ever. Please don't grumble about how bad you have it, ever. You don't know how many times he has saved you, and you don't even know it. So anyway, that was a bit of a digression, but anyway, um, so, just as he gave the Magi and Joseph and other people dreams in the Old Testament, he also speaks to us in dreams, right? He gives us dreams, he gives us visions, and he gives us warnings through those dreams and prophecies and visions. So, as we live close to the heart of Jesus, as we gather ourselves to him, as we come into his presence, the Holy Spirit gives us also dreams. And, and ideas and revelations and, and word, you see, that encourage us, that help us, that protect us, that warn us. And we need to live ever more sensitive to the heart of God. Draw close to him, he draws close to you, right? He holds you in his bosom. So, How is the fulfillment of of prophecy significant in our lives from the birth? Is what I'm talking about. In verse 6, I'm going to actually read from where that came from. Verse 6 came from, it was prophetic from, Micah 5.2. It says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small, though you are small, these are important words, though you are small among the clans of Judah, Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. The NIV there says Bethlehem is by no means the least. Beloved, when you are feeling that you are the least, you've got it wrong. When you are feeling that you have messed up too much for God to get you back on track, you have got it wrong. 100% wrong. This right here is a prophecy of your life and how God sees you. You are by no means the least. You see what I'm saying? Bethlehem, where Christ was born, was a small basically insignificant town. Right? It didn't have any special importance. It was small in size but it was mighty in prophetic significance. So are you. So are you. When you walk close to the heart of God. He can do anything through you. You understand that? You are of great importance in the plan of God. Am I getting this across strongly today? The Messiah was born there. Nobody had a clue about that. Well, actually the prophecy said that he would be born there but probably most people didn't pay attention. So as a follower of Christ, you are significant. You are by no means the least. You understand that? Though you may feel small at some times, though you may feel like you have failed at some times, your importance to the Lord never changes. Never changes. Don't ever think that anything God asks you to do is of minor importance. Every little bit, every detail matters. Do you see how every detail of the birth had a purpose? Okay? God uses the great and small. So, okay, think about this. You know, I I, I mean, I think I'm getting the point across, but think about this. Think about if you see a, a pond or a lake and the water's still like glass, okay, and then you, maybe you have a water bottle or something and, and, you know, you drop a bit of water in there, in that lake, and you know how the ripples just, you know, they keep moving out and moving out and move, that forever, forever changes something. Now, really think about it even scientifically those ripples are going to go hit the bank. That's going to cause an erosion that wouldn't have been there if the drop of water had not been there. So see, when you drop the word of God, when you spread the word of God, when you share the gospel, you have changed the, the world eternally, forever and ever, in ways that you may not ever understand or know or see. You know? Sometimes we just all search for so much more. You know, it's like I'm not doing enough. I'm not You understand what I'm saying? And sometimes you need to stop and just be thankful about how God is using you and recognize the value. Recognize when you are the testimony of Jesus. How that changes everything. Okay. Matthew 2:13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, okay, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Okay, God is telling Joseph that he has a plan, just like he has a plan for you, He has a plan, so he gives him him a warning and he gives him a solution. God will give you a warning and he will give you a solution. But the key is you gotta get up and follow. You gotta get up in faith. You gotta take the step in faith. Even if you don't understand it. When you have heard from God, do not consult men. Okay? Go forth in faith, standing on the word. Let me tell you this. The Lord knows your heart. So if you step out believing that the Lord is telling you, you've prayed, you've studied against the word, you really truly believe this, and you step out in faith and it doesn't exactly turn out the way that you thought it was, fear not, beloved. Your God is bigger than that mistake because he knows your heart. You see what I'm saying? He knows how to redirect you. He, know, he is faithful to those who are faithful. Psalm 18. So he, Joseph, got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled... What the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I will call my son. That's from Hosea 11.1. We're not going to go there. So he said, out of Egypt I have called my son. Okay. How is that prophetic in your life? Okay. Just stop and think about what's being said here. Out of Egypt I have called my son. It's prophetic over, it is prophetic of God's heart for you, okay? He is a God of restoration. He rescues us from our Egypts. Do you get that? His heart for you is to ever rescue you from your Egypt. Whatever that is, that place of hiding, that place where You feel so much pain that maybe you can't share it with anyone. You feel so much hurt, and you've struggled, and you've tried to get over it. And you do things wrong because you might be in fear. You make mistakes because you've let loose of your peace. And you have a God whose heart is to say, I am here to rescue you. I know your heart. David was a man after my own heart. And he killed, he murdered, committed adultery, intentional homicide. And the Lord said he was a man after his own heart. How could that be? Because David understood the mercy of God. That's how it could be. He understood God's mercy. So when you're in a hard spot, when you're in a difficult You have a difficult decision. You feel that you're on on dry ground. You're making mistakes. You're not moving. Jesus will deliver you out of that Egypt. Just stay connected. (sighs) Just stay connected. In any way you can. Sometimes people are in such desperate, and, and we should be looking for these people. We should be... We should have our antennas up for these people. They are so desperate that they can barely get out of bed. They can, and and, and we keep preaching, well, be close to Jesus, be close to Jesus. Okay, you go be their close to Jesus person. You see what I'm saying? Because they don't have it in them. Maybe at that, were you ever in that position? Did someone come along? Did a baby in a manger come along and help you out? Be that to somebody. Don't ever give up on any person. Don't put critical eyes on that person just because you didn't choose drugs, just because you didn't choose premarital sex, just because you didn't choose whatever it is, anger, jealousy, violence, just because you didn't choose that at a specific point in time, you chose something. I know everyone in this room has been off the path at some point. Me, big time, I was off the path. So don't take those judgmental eyes and say that person is beyond hope. Get in the trenches with them. God completely, Jesus completely humbled himself to get in the trenches with us. He gave up total oneness with the Father to come here and have to bear fleshly things. More than any one of us will ever give up for anybody. Okay. But this applies to you personally also, not just other people, because he is here to deliver you. He is here to rescue you. He is here to save you. He is here to be your hope. Hallelujah. But you see, Joseph had to hear, and then he had to follow. And when we do that, when we hear, when we follow, what did Herod say? Because that the, you know, the Magi went home another way? They were outwitted. You see? When we hang with God... We will outwit the enemy every time. He will outwit the enemy for you, through you, every time when you hang tight with him. Okay? Joseph was aware. He listened. He obeyed. What did it say that he did? In immediate obedience to God's wisdom in our lives, The devil has to flee, has to flee, has no place. Joseph did not hem and haw when the Lord came to him and said, get up, take the baby out, go to Egypt. He got up in the middle of the night, and he went. The Holy Spirit whom Jesus sent, when we listen, just like Joseph listened, when we listen, when we yield, He saves our life from destruction. You know, Joseph had no idea of all that, that all that was going to happen. He just listened, and he was saved. His family was saved. So that the whole world could become saved. Have the opportunity to become saved. So, this is prophetic of his saving mercies his saving grace his rescuing power his protection his provision for you now do you see do you see how that's prophetic of that do you see God's heart for you no weapon formed against you shall prosper isaiah 54:17 Every tongue that rises up in judgment against you, right, shall be quashed. Okay, Matthew 2, 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and went and lived in the town called Nazareth. Did God have a plan? Did God get what he wanted? Did God have to move people all around to do that? Okay, well, he can do the same thing in your life. He sees you the same as Jesus, right? Once you're under the blood, right? So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. Prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. So here again, we have a God-given dream with instructions, another dream with a warning, and we have the obedience of Joseph to God's voice. He doesn't make it really too hard. He will be called a Nazarene. That was the, uh, the prophecy. So when God gives you a word, when God gives me a word, I have a responsibility. I have to attend to that prophetic voice. I can't just say, oh, because it's been prophesied, I don't have anything to do. Right? A lot of prophecies are conditional. They require us to do something. So don't say that if if there's been a prophecy from God over your life and it doesn't come to pass, you know, maybe there was something we need to do. So we, just like you have to attend to the Word. Do you, do you have to attend to the Word? Yeah, because think about this. Okay? The Word tells you a whole bunch of great stuff. Like you're healed, you're redeemed, that your God will provide for you um, beyond anything that you can ask or imagine according to certain things, right? Right? He tells you all these things. Well, if you don't know it and you let your mouth start flying about, okay, I'm not saying this about me, I'm using this as an example, I'm always sick. I can't seem to get ahead. It comes in one door and goes out the other. Okay, well, you are destroying the word. Not that the word can be destroyed, because, but you understand what I'm saying. The word is eternal, of course, but what I'm saying is you are causing it to be ineffective in your life. You're not agreeing with God. Gosh, I'm talking about so many things that I didn't really have an intention of talking about today. <laughs> but, do you, are you bored? okay, So, do you want to hear about the heaven thing again? Because every time I hear, I think about the word agreement. Your agreement with God is so, so vital. And your prayers are so vital. Oh, the Lord just spoke this to me. Just right this second. I know I've told you about the thing about going to heaven, you know, last year, last December. If, this is what the Lord just told me, Please don't ever think that your prayers are unimportant even if you don't see the answer immediately or even if you don't know the answer came to that other person that you were praying for. Because the Lord just spoke to my heart that if you all perhaps had not been praying for me, I may not have had the desire to come back. Do You get that? I could have just gone to see the Lord and think, this is the most wonderful thing ever, and forget all that. I don't need all that. To die is gain. But for some reason, that was not in my heart. Did you ever think about the fact that perhaps it was your prayers that changed that destiny? Not that I'm important. I don't mean that at all. I don't think I'm an important person. I think I'm a listening person. But if you hadn't been praying, perhaps, in my heart, I would have been so taken by the Lord that I would never have wanted to come back here, because everyone I hear, you know, most people that go to heaven, it is so wonderful and so beautiful and so magnificent, and there is so much love and there is so much peace, there is absolutely no reason anyone would ever want to come back here. But it was different when I spoke to the Lord and he said he was taking me home, okay, you don't talk like this. You talk in the spirit. You connect in the spirit. It wasn't like talking. But when he said, I'm taking you home, I said, no offense, Lord. No offense. I'm not trying to offend you, but I don't want to come with you. I want to go back. I have a job to do. There are people that have jobs to do in our church. I want to go back to my family, my personal family. I want to go back to my church family. And I want to finish the vision, whatever that is. I don't care what it is. Whatever that vision is, I want to go complete it. And that's when the Lord said to me, Lisa Marie, I'm glad we agree. Those specific words. I'm glad we agree because I have a whole lot more that I want you to do. But I would have been permitted to go. another example? Okay, when I was, my brother and I were only ten months apart because I got drug out of the car when my mom was pregnant and she went into early labor. So, like, I almost wasn't here. I was born very early, and back then, <laughs> almost sixty-five years, sixty. How old am I, Ken? <laughs> almost 64 years ago. You know, that was probably a big deal. It may not be such a big deal now. But I was drug out of a car. Talk about what strife does. Get out of it. I don't care how right you think you are. Get out of it. Because you could alter a person's life by strife. My mom and dad, my dad really, from the stories I've heard, was causing a lot of, he was dr- drunk or something. So my mom decided to leave, that that was not a healthy environment for her. So she starts driving away, and my dad runs after in a run in a dr- uh, you know, slowly moving car, whatever, pulls the door open and drags her out, and you know, she's on the ground and I'm born. Okay? Well, that wasn't even what I was going to start telling you. <laughs> well, you are in for a ride today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. Yeah, see, I was just saying why we were only 10. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I was just talking about why we were only 10 months apart because we were supposed to be more separated. But see, strife almost killed me. Somebody else's strife. That is God's still covenant protection over me. That's why you all got to deal with me today. (laughs) That's why my family has to deal with me sometimes. But anyway, so my brother and I were always very close. We really weren't that far apart. And then, you know, and this is an important thing. For anyone that you know in your life, that's in depression or suicidal, reach out to them, please. My brother committed suicide. I found him. He shot himself through the head. I walked into the room on Easter morning. Maybe I shouldn't be putting this out on the thing. Oh, my, we've really gotten into it. I walked in on Easter morning, and my mom was with me. I love my mom. It was not my mom's fault. I was raised in a home, truthfully, honestly, I, because of mental issues from my brother, I got chased with butcher knives. It was me and then uh, you know four more kids underneath me. And uh, there were days, only God's grace and mercy allowed strength to go on in our home. I, one day, was watching the other kids, and my brother was having, God bless him, no fault of his own, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a victim, and I'm not casting blame. Okay, y'all get that? Okay, you get that. Okay, so one day, he was having a particularly hard day. My mom was a single parent, because my dad had died, Uh, of brain cancer, so it was basically me and my mom. I'm the oldest. Well, my brother was the oldest, but that was not really, you know, he couldn't take responsibility. Okay, so it was a particularly bad day, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, don't know why these things happen, I am being chased by a guy much bigger, 6'4", much bigger than me at that point in time I was, you know, 100 pounds. And butcher knife raised in the air, chasing me through the home, and I am trying to get my younger siblings together to get to a room of safety anywhere in the house. And so I run down the hall, I'm trying to get them to go in front of me. They go through that the bedroom door, my bedroom door that I shared with my other siblings. And um they go through the bedroom door and Even at that moment, though I was not raised in a home that went to church every day, every week, whatever, I was not raised with the Bible. I knew the Lord was with me. I always knew the Lord was with me. I always knew, I always knew someday I would preach his word. So I remember, I run, I I shove them ahead of me into that door, and I turn around, and with all that I could do, I was slamming my body up against the door like this, trying to keep him from coming in with a butcher knife. Don't, I don't know. It is the Holy Spirit... that gave me the strength to keep that door shut. I know there were angels holding that door shut, protecting us. So then on Easter morning one year, I'm 21 years old, Easter morning, my brother never shows up, so we walk go over to his house, and I knew something was tragically, terribly wrong. And we get there, and my mom's with me, and there was another human being that I don't really remember at this point in time, but we get to the house, and I I don't really know what's happened. But nobody wants to go in. Everyone becomes terrified. Well, I couldn't help myself. It wasn't even me. I ran into the house, and he's dead, and there's blood everywhere. And I'm not trying to be gross, okay? I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm telling you about the peace of God. And when we draw close to him, how faithful and true. And I'm sorry if there are little kids in here that don't want to hear this. I apologize. I didn't even think about that. Um, But, you see, everyone in my family was totally traumatized by that. So there was no one to help. Uh, it, It could have been the darkest place of my life, and it wasn't. Because three days later, and I know that has to have significance, three days later, I am sleeping over at my mom and dad's house, my, my, my third dad, very nice, wonderful man. I'm sleeping over there, but nobody talks to me. Nobody asks, how are you doing but, of course, we should have all been more concerned about mom. It was her son, right? I'm just talking about the physical, you know, trauma. Not that I'm more important than my mom or her emotions or her feelings. You get that, right? Okay, so I am laying in bed and, and don't really know how to feel. Don't really know what to do. Never experienced anything like that in my life. And my dad, my really sweet third dad, Orville, after all this comes about, he tells me that that night, and I tracked it to the time of all these events happening, that that night I cried out in my sleep. Well, what had happened was God took my spirit, transported me over to my brother's house. and I don't care what you think about this because it's true. It happened. God speaks to us when we need to be spoken. He rescues us when we need to be rescued. He is ever there. He is your deliverer. He is your rescue. He is your redeemer. He is your reconciler. He is your peace. So I... It was an out-of-body experience. I get up out of my body. I see my body laying right there on that bed. And my spirit goes over to my brother's home, and I go into the room where he had been, and he's there. And we get to talk. And you know what he said to me? Well, first of all, let me just tell you that there is a peace. And this is why I know I ended up never having any issues with all the stuff that happened. Because there is a healing peace that just comes because the presence of the Lord is peace, the presence of the Lord is love, the presence of the Lord is healing. Nothing but healing. Nothing but peace. Nothing nothing but l- love like you've never felt before. And I was washed in a peace beyond anything that I could ever describe. No fear, nothing so saturated in love that you can't even think about anything negative. You can't think about anything else. You cannot think about anything else. You only feel love, you only feel acceptance, you only feel peace. That's all you feel. There's no judgment, there's, there's just n- no condemnation, there's nothing like that. And there was this peace that overwhelmed my soul. And my brother said to me, well, I could see he was fine. He had so much peace. All the torment of life was gone. Oh, he he was a Christian. Don't think that just because someone commits suicide, they're not a Christian. Don't think that if you know anyone who's committed suicide that they're in hell. It only matters had they accepted the Lord. Oh, and I could tell you about a whole nother time when he was in a coma and God gave me a dream, and, and I went in there into the hospital room and they were talking trash over him like he was going to die, and I threw them all out, and I said, you're not going to talk that way in his presence, and God gave me a dream And when he gave me the dream, I went in the next morning and it happened exactly like the dream. He had been in a coma. His liver had quit. His kidneys had quit. He was on life support. They were saying he was going to be dead. But God gave me a dream. And in the dream, I walked in. My mom was sitting there. I touched his hand and he raised up out of the bed and he said, Jesus saved me. So he was saved, but he had difficult issues, okay? So back to the other part. Back to the part where I'm over there visiting with him in the spirit, and God sent him back. And he said to me, he said, Lisa Marie, I'm in so much peace. He said, I just need you to tell mom that I love her. I need you to tell the world that God loves them. That is the only thing that matters. Are you telling the world, just like Christ told the world when he came to be born, when he gave up holy, his holy unity with the Father, he came to say, I love you. Because that's all that mattered when when my brother David came back. I need you to tell them that I love them. I need you to tell them that God loves them. Him telling us was our family, right? But God telling is the world. So how I got on all that, I don't know. Huh? Huh? So should I go back to my message? <laughs> but you see, there's so many constructions through our life where God is holding you, helping you, preserving you, protecting you, redeeming you. And you know, I never had any issues over that. I, I never had nightmares. I never had trauma. Because as horrific as that was, and as horrific as most of my childhood was, you know, God just redeemed everything. I don't have any anger, I don't have any, anything. Because he is a redeemer. He is a maker of new creations. And my life was truly newly recreated. Hey, I want to tell you something. Like, I sort of knew Jesus. I always loved the Lord. But I really didn't get into a place where I became saved until after all that happened. So, you know, God speaks to everybody. Anyway, so where was I in the scripture? I think it was something about being a Nazarene and having a new location and a new destiny and a new name. Okay, so that is prophetic of God's overall plan for us. And the reason I told you all that stuff is because to, you know, like, uh, give an example of that. Give an example of how all this is really true. And the, and the birth of Christ, is the, the way he was born and all the details are prophetic of our lives and that there is always hope. There is always hope. There is never anything... God never removes hope. He is always the God of hope. He makes you a new creation when you come to him, and he told them to go back to Israel, their homeland, specifically to uh, uh, Nazareth, and that was a symbol and a sign of restoration and redemption. It is a bringing back of things that have been stolen or taken or times in your life when you had to shift And he knows how to redeem and fulfill and complete. Right? You see what I'm saying? So God made a way for Joseph to return with his family. And this is our same destiny. You will never get so far from God that you do not have a way back. He always makes a way where there seems no way. Do not be discouraged. No matter what has occurred in your life that you may feel has been disastrous or you may feel that it's led you astray, God makes the way back for you into His fullness because He is a merciful, loving, kind, and compassionate God. He will heal every hurt, He redeems our life from destruction. We follow his word, we follow his voice, we follow his leading. Whatever the enemy has thrown, he will restore those things which the enemy may have stolen or may have delayed. Psalm 103, he redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. He crowns you with beauty. He crowns you with splendor. He has a work. No matter what's gone on, he has a work for you to complete. We get a new name in him. We get a new identity in him. We get a whole new location in life in him. We get a whole new promised land in him. Think about it. I'm not going to go through all these scriptures like I intended, but go to Revelation, read about the new name. Jesus gets a new name, you get a new name. Okay? In the Old Testament, how many people got renamed with a name that was exemplary of their destiny? That's a new location in life. We don't have to fall into the old and stay in the pit, you see? Everything about God, everything about God, everything about God is to bring you into newness, it's to bring you into fullness in him, it is to bring you into his beauty and his splendor and his righteousness and his healing and his restoration. Everything. Everything. So I just want to leave you with this, it's all shown to us in the birth of Christ. All of it. You can take every little, every little detail and see that. So Christmas is a time of newness, it is a time of restoration, it is truly a time of hope. And it's a hope and a restoration that we need to share. So, beloved, and that's what the Lord had me say to you today. So go forth, knowing you are significant. Go forth.